Hello there, welcome to Unbossed. I'm your host, Nina Turner. And in the co-host chair today, we have Lance, host of the Surfs. And Lance, it is so incredibly wonderful to have you back here on Unbossed. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. It's always a pleasure to be here. It's one of my favorite shows on the internet, so I feel very, very privileged. Oh, thank you, and we are privileged as well. So Lance and I, we're gonna get right into this show today, baby. We got a doozy. For more than 20 years, Justice Clarence Thomas has accepted luxury trips virtually every year from a Dallas businessman without disclosing them. Then we'll discuss how Angel Reese, my new shebro, says LSU won't go to the White House due to the double standard. You better say that, be that, and do that, Angel Reese. And later in the show, exonerated Central Park Five member Yusef Salam responds to Trump charges with a full page ad of his own. Cannot wait to get into that story. But we're gonna start with Justice Clarence Thomas, a bombshell story from ProPublica today for over 20 years. Justice Clarence Thomas has been treated to a luxury to luxury vacations by billionaire Republican donor Harlan Crow. Now here's the situation. For more than two decades, Justice Clarence Thomas has accepted luxury trips virtually every year from the Dallas businessmen without disclosing them, documents and interviews show. A public servant has a salary of, of about $285,000. He has vacationed on Harlan Crow's super yacht around the globe. He flies on Crow's Bombardier Global 5000 jet. He has gone with Harlan Crow to the Bohemian Grove, the exclusive California all mill retreat, and to Crow's sprawl, sprawling ranch in East Texas. And Thomas typically spends about a week every summer at Crow's private resort in the Adirondacks. Wow. The extent and frequency of Crow's gifts to Thomas have no known precedents in the history of the United States Supreme Court. These trips appeared nowhere, and we mean nowhere, on Thomas's financial disclosures. His failure to report the flights violates a law passed after Watergate that requires officials to disclose gifts. Now, Though these luxury vacations, through these luxury vacations, Crow has claimed a unique form of access with one of the most powerful people in the country. Members of Congress are generally prohibited from taking gifts worth $50. But the luxuries go way. Including a $19,000 Bible that belonged to Frederick Douglass, which Thomas disclosed. Crow's Foundation gave $105,000 to Yale Law School, Thomas's alma mater, for the Justice Thomas Portrait Fund tax show in a filing. The mega donor released this statement. My wife Kathy and I have been friends with Justice Thomas and his wife Jenny since 1996. We are very dear friends. The hospitality we have extended to the Thomases over the years is no different from the hospitality we have extended to many other dear friends. Justice Thomas and Jenny never asked for any of this hospitality. Now this is coming from Harlem, 
Harlan Crow. We have never asked about a pending or lower court case, and Justice Thomas has never discussed one. And we never sought influence at all, Justice Thomas, on any legal or political issue. More generally, I am unaware of any of our friends ever lobbying or seeking to influence Justice Thomas on any case. And I would never invite anyone who I believe had any intention of doing so. But this isn't the first time that Justice Thomas has been wrapped in controversy. This headline right here, Jenny Thomas's activist group got $600,000 in anonymous donations to fight cultural Marxism. This doozy right here, Jenny Thomas tells January 6th panel, she still believes false election fraud claims. Chair says, in Thomas's public appearances over the years, he has presented himself as an everyman with very modest taste. On the record, he once said, I prefer RV parks. I prefer the Walmart parking lot to the beaches and things like that. There's something normal to me about it. I come from regular stock and I prefer that. I prefer being around that. Oh, take a look at this picture right here. This does not. <laughs> this picture, yeah, thank you, T. This right here doesn't look like a Walmart parking lot to me. Man, <laughs> I mean, maybe I got it wrong, but maybe that they took the Walmart heading off the 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 greenery, but it doesn't look like Walmart parking lot. Like, I'm not gonna uh, lie to your audience and say that I'm looking poor, right? I, I'm like I'm comfortable, but I, I remember saving up for a vacation with friends, and it'd be like all inclusive for like two thousand dollars, and that was. It was all the food, it was all the, the alcohol, it was like everything included. One of these trips, $500,000, what does that get you? What's a 500, like what is a vacation that I could buy a condo for? That makes no sense to me. I, I can't even process like half of this right now. I'm with you, wrapping our minds around all of this. And then here's the lodge that Justice Thomas stayed at in Top Ridge. We're gonna show that, Oh my God, that is beautiful. <laughs> It looks I mean, like Disneyland. It does. <laughs> Hell, I kind of want to go there myself. I'm gonna go ahead and confess my sin right there. <laughs> but I ain't on the Supreme Court either, you know. <laughs> the, the mountainous area draws billionaires from across the globe. Rooms at nearly at nearby hotels uh, built by the Rockefellers start at $2,250 a night. Crow's invitation only resort is even more exclusive. Guests stay for free, enjoying Top Ridge's more than 25 fireplaces, three boathouses, clay tennis courts, and batting cages along with more eccentric features. Damn, if only Walmart had parking lots like this. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, now just going back to the fact that this is Justice Clarence Thomas, he's not a regular everyday American. And that really is what the focus of our story is, is that there are rules that guide him and the other justices and other people who are elected to office. And it seems as though he's just not following the rules. Totally, and um, you brought this up. This is not the first time something like this has happened. I think Citizens United donated or, or contributed like close to $100,000 towards his nomination. And he didn't recuse himself from the Citizens United uh, uh, verdict. So. What does that tell you? I, I think there's something deeply, deeply fundamentally wrong. If there's uh, an opening for someone who has that high of a position to be wined and dined. Y you know, like I, I don't want a system where uh, all of a sudden the Supreme Court just may be influenced by the $500,000 Disneyland vacations that he's getting. 
Yeah, me either. And no American should. So Justice Clarence Thomas, you have some explaining to do, sir. Get to explaining. This story is not going away. Oh, now we are back to my little sister, Angel Reese. And she says no to the White House. And we've been following this story, the story of the LSU women's basketball star Angel Reese and her team's championship win over Iowa in the NCAA tournament. Particularly First Lady Dr. Jill Biden offered this suggestion, watch. Congratulations to both teams. So I know we'll have the champions come to um, to the White House. We always do. So you know we'll have LSU come. But you know what? I'm going to tell Joe. I think Iowa should come too because they played such a good game. So right. So winners and losers. That's sportsmanship. Oh yeah, baby, that's sportsmanship. People in there nervously clapping because you know the first lady is making a <laughs> statement. What you gonna do? You gotta be polite. That was a nervous clap. You know, Lance, that wasn't an all-in clap. That was like, oh, I yeah. think we should I- clap. But this <laughs> shit seems so wrong, so wrong. She's gonna ask Joe to invite the losers. To the White House too. So we talked about this, the, the reaction in particular to the anti-blackness rooted within those comments and the anti-blackness that has been directed at Angel Reese simply because she competes on an elite level. Now Angel's initial reaction to Dr. Jill Biden's request was of course on point. Take a look at this when she first heard I'm not about it. I don't accept the apology because mm. of you Jill, said what you Jill said. Biden. Yeah. First lady, the, the wife, first lady. yeah. I said what I said, and like yeah. you can't go back on certain things that you you say. I mean, you felt like they they should have came because of sportsmanship, right? They can have that spot. Like we'll go to the Obamas. We'll we'll, we'll see, <laughs> I'm gonna see Michelle. Does, I'm gonna see Barack. Yeah, she said they can have the spotlight. We'll rock with the Obamas. We'll see Michelle. I cannot tell you how much I love this young woman's courage. Because she is standing up and letting them know you're not gonna get away with disrespecting me. I wish black voters as a whole had just a little bit, just a pinky size portion of Angel's courage when it comes to this. Because of course, a lot of people would be doing that nervous clap saying, well, it's the first lady, how dare she? She should accept the apology. She don't have to accept the, the apology. And I'm glad that she is standing firm for what she wants to do. Now, if she wanted to accept the apology, I say, okay, if Angel all right with it, if Angel like it, I love it. Angel doesn't want to accept the apology, well, damn it, she don't have to accept the apology. And I'm right with her on that as well. I absolutely, absolutely adore this young woman. But now, so after the backlash, the back and forth, the first lady is trying to back that thing up. But you know the mess is already out of the horse. But she sent her press secretary in to make some comments, and here they are. The first lady loved watching the NCAA women's basketball championship game along with young student athletes and admires how far women have advanced in sports since the passing of Title IX. She goes on. Her comments in Colorado were intended to applaud the historic game and all women athletes. She looks forward to celebrating the LSU Tigers on their championship win at the White House. Now, you know, Lance, I mean, I I don't doubt. I mean, you know, the first lady comes from from that generation where she was able to see Title IX bubble up. There's a however to it. 
she deliberately injected herself into, I'm going to ask Joe. <laughs> I'm going to do some pillow talk with Joey and, and ask him to invite the losers. That's where she messed up. Not the reminiscing. Put Lance back up, please. Now how far we've come, but the fact that she wanted to ask Joey to bring the losers to the White House too. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. When I first saw the story, so I'm scrolling through my timeline and all I saw was just a video clip of that. And I'm not someone who watches basketball. I watch, I have to, if you're Canadian, like you don't get a passport unless you do so. But all I thought of when I saw that was like, oh, that's cool. That's metal. That's that's like that sports. That's just that sports trash talking. That that's all I thought. And then I saw the discourse explode online, and immediately it was like, are you kidding me? The other player, like, there's video footage of her did as well. It's a normal thing. Like, there's something specifically going on here. And immediately it was like, oh, now it's all coming together. And I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think she's handled it quite frankly like a queen. It, it's been awesome to see. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Keith Olbermann, uh, you were on the wrong side of this issue. That's all. Oh, saying. that fool! And Shaq, Shaq yeah. got down with him. Oh, Shaq, Shaq got down with him. him. Oh, what a ratio! What a and ratio! Then, like, oh. Instead of him just saying, "I messed up," right. and he gonna double down on it and say, "I, I, 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 I said something about both, uh, both players." And <laughs> oh, by the way, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you these days? With a smart ass. <laughs> that was a smart ass comment he made right there. <laughs> I mean, dude, do you know when to just let it go? Let it go. But he had to say something. So you know, my stunt double had to jump in on that. And I'm gonna tell you what my stunt double said to, 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 to him, to that dude. I said, go ahead and take this whipping. Go ahead and take not that one, y'all. I'm just talking off the top of my head. But y'all can keep that up. Put me and Lance together. I said, you just go and take this this ass whooping you getting right here, bruh. Just go on and take it because you called Angel a effing idiot, Lance. That's what he called her. Before he found out, then when he found out, Katie did it, Caitlin. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, both athletes. But he never once called Caitlin a fucking idiot. He didn't call yeah. her that, but he called no. Angel Reese that. See, it's, it's so, and then he and then so he didn't dance, he didn't apologize to Angel Reese for calling her that name. And the level of venom that Angel Reese got from white folks. About how ghetto and uncouth she is and unsportsmanlike. But when little Katie did it, they ain't have a damn thing to say. And see, that's what we're talking about, Lance. That's what black people, we sick and tired of the double, quadruple, hundred drupal. Let me just make up some drupal standards in this country when it comes to our behavior and our and our agency. But it was okay yeah, for I little Katie. I, I can't imagine. Like when I saw Barstool Sports said, like, what is it, like classless piece of shit or something? I was yes. like, classless, this is sports. This is what sports people do. This is like they trash talk. They do like have you never watched any other game? You are specifically targeting this person because they're black. And apparently, like her entire time in the league, it's always been like uh you're acting too street or you're acting too ghetto, or you're not acting like what's befitting of the the you know, the stature of the game. And and like it's this constant kind of like trying to tone police someone's specifically for those reasons when you don't see that it is a double standard like it is clear as day. Oh, it is. 
They love to police black women because there's a certain way we're supposed to act. I did a whole lecture two days in a row about the stereotyping of black women and how damaging that is for us. And unfortunately, generationally, this continues. So I'm glad that Angel Reese said, the hell with your apology. We ain't, we ain't, I ain't accepting it. Matter of fact, we're going to the Obamas. Even though I must say, well, I ain't gonna get started on the Obamas. All right, and my stunt double Wade. I'm gonna let Biden, the Bidens just gonna take this by themselves. And my stunt double Wade in again. Now y'all can put this one up. And Angel Reese exhibiting more intestinal fortitude than most members of Congress. Keep standing, Angel. Again, I wish members of Congress and other elected officials that always go along to get along were not so giddy about getting invited to the White House that they would stand up for their constituents and stand up for what is just right and good for the everyday people of this country instead of worrying about what is good and just for them. And listen to what actress Sherry Shepard said about this foolishness from Jill Biden. Yes, she had something to say as well. No, you never invite the the, the, the losing, losing team. team to the White House. I mean, I know you want Iowa to vote for your husband, but stop it. Stop oh my it, goodness. Dr. Biden. Now- Stop it indeed. And as other people like Shannon Sharp and others have jumped in here to remind the Bidens who actually put them in the White House, but they got to be reminded of that because again, you know, black folks, what what is happening, this whole dynamic with Angel and Caitlin is bigger than Angel and Caitlin. I hope y'all all understand this. This is a larger proxy for systemic problems in this country. This is exactly what this is about and is how black women and then black people in general are disrespected time and time again. And the double standard, quadruple standard, hundredruple standard that we are put, that we are faced with compared to other folks in this country. So in, you know, in her interview, Angel pointed out that Joe Biden himself slighted her and her team, LSU, even before the entire tournament itself. Take a look. Well, apparently she was supposed to come to our locker room before the game, but we said no. Before the game? Yeah, they were all, she was supposed to come to our locker room and go to Iowa's locker room. I don't know if she talked to the, the lock, them. I don't know if she did, but we said we didn't want to. We didn't, we didn't want her coming Why? to the locker room. I think Joe Biden had put somebody else to win a national championship. He didn't even put us on his, his bracket to get out of Baton Rouge. So I was like, bet. Oh, you weren't even on the bracket. We weren't even out of, no, we had, we were only, we didn't even get out of Baton Rouge. I think that he said we were gonna lose to Michigan. Wow, I mean, Angel got receipts, baby. Okay, she she better than Santa Claus. She making a list and checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. And guess what, the Biden's been awfully, awfully naughty. You better go ahead. Angel Reese for Congress, baby. That's gonna be my next campaign, Lance. <laughs> I'm gonna manage the campaign. Yeah. We're gonna do this, we're gonna yeah. send that little sister, send her all the way to Congress, cuz that's how you drive. That is exactly how Hell you yeah. drive. I'm so here for this. <laughs> oh, I'm here for this too. So I wanna go back to something I said in the earlier tweet, that Angel is exhibiting more intestinal fortitude than most members of Congress. That is a fact. That is, and she's not going for the okie doke from the Bidens and the other brunch bunch neoliberals. The same neoliberals who caved to Biden's war hawk military budget. Let's put up this headline. US Senate passes a record $858 billion defense act spending 
bill to Biden. Or this headline from last summer, Biden urges Democrats to advance a healthcare bill without climate programs given in to Manchin's ultimatum. And while we own this point, sisters and brothers and family friends, Manchin is out there talking about he may run for president, which I'm all for. Cause see, I ain't one of those. I believe that in this representative democracy, people should run if they feel like they want to run, baby, get out there. The water is fine, but I'm just got to put out that point. And this is the same person that was wined and dined and invited to the White House and invited to Delaware and, and, and president just doing falling over for this dude. And now this dude is considering running for president. Hey, Manchin, run, Manchin, run. I say, hell, anybody that want to run, jump on in there. This is America, you should be able to run. Or yes, letting the much needed child tax credit, let me get back on track here. The much needed child tax credit expire without putting up a damn fight. Put up this headline right here. The Democrats failure of the year and the award for Doing nothing to help the American people goes to the Democrats failure of the year, letting the expanded child tax credit die as a policy. The 2021 expansion was historically successful, cutting childhood poverty nearly in half, but it died by politics this year. Can it be revived in 2023? And you know what, Lancey, I'm tired of it because children are going hungry. So can it can it be revived? We gotta wait for them to revive this. But yet and still, bipartisan passage of the military budget, bipartisan passage of all kinds of nonsense, but can't get bipartisanship passage on making sure that we pull children out of poverty. So again, the spirit of Angel Reese needs to come and rain down on these damn Democrats and the Republicans too. I ain't gonna let the Republicans off the hook. But Lance, the reason why I'm going so hard in the paint pun intended, like taking it to the whole pun intended is because the Democrats enjoy over 90% of the African American vote. But yet this is how we're treated. Didn't they also get more money than they asked for in the Pentagon budget? Like yeah, to the tune of billions of dollars, isn't that wild? It's like you—we're always told, especially like leftists or progressives, how are we going to pay for it? How, how can we afford this? Like, there's just no way to make this work. The numbers aren't there. I'm sorry, it's going to rack up the deficit or problems like that. Do you want 20 extra billion dollars to make weapons and bombs? Sure. That, did you audit yourself recently? And like a lot of that money is unaccountable for. Take more. Here's here's more billions of dollars. Like it, it just seems, especially like from an outsider perspective, like madness sometimes. And, and uh, yeah, like I can't imagine what it's like being an American. It's going to be deeply frustrating. Oh, it's deeply frustrating. It is maddening. And I do not. Let me repeat this for the record. When I say I don't want the GOP. I want them sweetnesses to think I forgot about them. <laughs> With they did just cowards all the way, just cowards. They bend the knee to the gun lobby. I mean, even just what happened in Tennessee, we can name, we did, we listed all the major mass shootings at school sites over the years. And I swear these fools, they just will not move. And these members of Congress could really learn a thing or two or three or four from Angel Reese to get some intestinal fortitude, fortitude (laughs) for God's sakes. Please get some intestinal fortitude. Angel Reese, baby, if somebody gets this message to you, run, Reese, run, is what I say. Oh, wow, we're going to Yusef Salim. Karma for Trump. Take a look at this. Given your experience, how that hits your ears, to hear folks say, if they could do it to Donald Trump, they could do it to you. You know, justice has always eluded black and brown people, even to this day. 
you know, I sit on the, the, the board of the Innocence Project. And one of the most interesting things that I see is that DNA, dioxyribonucleic acid, has helped freed over hundreds of people. We were found innocent 13 years after. And Donald Trump went on to say they had to be guilty of something. And I think that that was the sentiment in America, that negative stain that is still here, that thing that plagues us in the justice system, that thing where we're constantly saying, where is the justice for us? Where is the justice for us? Because far too often it is just us. Lady, Lady, Lady Liberty is not blind, especially when it comes to black folks. But that was prison reform activist and freedom fighter, Dr. Youssef Saleem, known as part of the exonerated five, five young black and Latino teenagers who were falsely imprisoned for 13 years, 13 flipping years for rape in New York City in 1989. Now, Dr. Saleem was speaking to the double standard of the right wing's false perceptions of injustice as opposed to the reality of injustice in the United States legal system. As Trump continues to cry foul about his legal troubles, it was in 1989 that he took his time to ensure that the now exonerated five were given the worst kind of punishment for a crime they did not commit. If you're too young to remember, Trump took out a full page ad in the New York Times. That is the ad right there, bring back the death penalty, bring back our police. This is from 1989. He went on, I want to hate these murderers. And I always will. I am not looking to psychoanalyze or understand them. I am looking to punish them. Woo, Donald J. Trump, baby, 1989 in the New York Times. And nearly 20 years after their innocence was proven in 2019, this headline, Trump will not apologize for calling for the death penalty over Central Park. Five, that was the headline. Now we call them the exonerated five now, but that is the headline right there. And now that Trump is facing troubles of his own, Dr. Saleem is serving him with some major karma, baby. Ain't nothing like a little petty. This is it right here. Over 30 years ago, Donald Trump took out full page ads calling for my execution. On the day he was arrested in the rain. And arraigned, here is my ad in response. And in his own full page ad, Dr. Youssef says, being wrongfully convicted as a teenager was an experience that changed my life drastically. But the problem our community faced when my name was splashed across the newspaper a generation ago, inadequate housing, underfunded schools, public safety concerns, and a lack of good jobs became worse during Trump's time in office. He then acknowledged Trump directly in this ad, stating, if the charges are proven, and I like how Doc does this, he real smooth with it. If the charges are proven and you are found guilty, I hope that you endure whatever penalties are imposed with the same strength and dignity that the exonerated five showed as we served our punishment for a crime we did not commit. You better go ahead and underline that bolded underscore exclamation point message in a bottle on the train and on a plane. I ain't said that in a long time, but he did that. Lance, your thoughts about this? Uh, I think, you know, I've seen you accused before online of 
taking right wingers uh, commentary uncharitably, but I don't think we should mince words when it comes to what Donald Trump did here. This is one of the most altruism he's shown. He took out a full page ad asking for the murder of black teenagers. That's an innocent black teenagers as well. And like this this man has an abhorrent history of racism from you know the birth certificate scandal that he was like at the forefront of. Here's not a lot of people know. He apparently pitched a, a like a race war version of The Apprentice where it was gonna be black contestants versus white contestants. Like it, it's it's like his history. It's obviously disgusting, abhorrent, all that kind of stuff. But like I, I, I'm totally on board with you. It is wonderful to see this come full circle and someone able to actually, you know, throw shade on him, uh, karma, whatever you want to call it. That that is actually a pretty wonderful thing, especially that they're now exonerated. Yeah, amen to that. And like Dr. Youssef Salim said, I mean that they'll never get that time back. I'm really glad that they're rebuilding their lives and people are understanding what they went through. But when you are falsely accused and you have to serve even a minute in prison. It is life altering, less known 13 years. And in some cases, people spend 20, 30, even 40 years before their innocence is proven. So good on Dr. Youssef for dishing it out. Donald Day Chump, the, the former president, he can dish it, baby, but he cannot take it. And then let's go to former speaker Nancy Pelosi. She takes a page out of Trump's playbook. As the right wing continues to cry foul, Nancy Pelosi, or Representative Pelosi went ahead and took a page right out of Trump's playbook, presuming guilt in the court of law. Check out this tweet right here. The grand jury has acted upon the facts and the law. No one is above the law and everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence. Hopefully the former president will peacefully respect the system which grants him that right. Now I'm bringing this up because I thought you were innocent until proven guilty in the United States of America. But if that has changed, because God knows black people understand that. If that has changed, please let us know. This is the challenge with what the speaker said. There were a whole bunch of right wingers who responded, but we're not, we're not even going to bother putting up any of their foolishness because they just now acting like there's a problem with the injustice system. Now they always knew there was something wrong with that system, but because it wasn't impacting them and something that they loved, they didn't give a damn. Those are the facts. Dr. Youssef Salim and so many other prison reform activists have been trying to wake them up to the realities of the horrors of this legal system that is unjust. But they just turn an ear to the other side and they just fill up the pockets of cash from these groups that buy them the owner donor class. That said, Representative Pelosi is adding more fuel to the fire by allowing the GOP to seize on this moment. Now you might not like Donald J. Trump and hopefully the man never sets foot in the White House ever again. We need to underline that bold that underscored exclamation point with that. But he's already presumed innocent until proven guilty as dictated by the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. So in other words, let's not play these games. All right, we, we got to be straight up. If we for right, we for what's right, no matter who is for or who is against. I'm paraphrasing the great minister Malcolm X. If you are for right, you are for right, no matter who it's for or who it's against. As much as the king of neoliberals <laughs> Biden is, you know, he is the king of neoliberals, he's been smart by doing and saying nothing. Check out this headline Biden's response to Trump's indictment, four ways to say no, baby. 
President Biden <laughs> believes that the president should not comment on pending legal matters. He also does not want to be baited into a reaction. So let's play this important reminder from Congressman Ro Khanna from the great state of California from earlier this week. Law enforcement process will play itself out and I have faith in that. I hope we don't make the same mistake in 2016 where we just start covering Trump's trial and Trump's scandals and we focus still on the school shootings in Tennessee. We focus on the president's message of bringing manufacturing jobs back, uh, of lowering prices. That's really what the American people want to talk about. And I fear if this just becomes a Trump spectacle 24-7 on cable news that he's going to benefit in the same way he benefited in 2016. And Lance, I fear the same thing. Congressman Ro Khanna is absolutely right here. So far in counting, the President Donald J. Trump has raised about $7 million so far. And we know that number is gonna continue to go up, up, and up, and up. And so when you have people like Leader Pelosi and others just doing the things that they're doing, just putting gasoline on the fire in ways that the right-wingers can call out and say, "Oh, this is unfair and they don't believe in the law and all of that. You know, it really just makes it worse. And then another point, or the major point that Congressman Rokana, that's all the news is gonna talk about. And then every other thing that matters to Big Mama and Big Papa in the hoods where they misunderstood, be they rural hoods, urban hoods, or suburban hoods, are not gonna get the time and attention that they need because of the spectacle that is Donald J. Trump. It feels like we're watching the Trump show again. I, I just, I, I completely got used to yeah. what it's like not to see the Trump show anymore, where every single news network's like, oh, a chair, Trump's gonna be sitting there soon. We have to make sure we film it 24 seven. I, I don't think Donald Trump is gonna be held uh, like in any way heavily accountable for this one particular instance. I think uh, again, uh, this is something that uh, I don't see him facing prison time. Uh, I, I, I like not only does he have almost every privilege imaginable, he's also the president. So or was the president that's got to be the highest that there is right in terms of there's going to be a different system of justice for you most likely it doesn't matter that you're rich, white, powerful, all that kind of stuff. You're also the president of the United States. So that's that's probably going to play into this. Um, that being said, if if nothing else, I know this is one of the ones that it's it's it seems very thin compared to the other crimes he's committed. It's it's still nice to at least have it look like we're moving in the direction that no matter who you are, you should be held accountable, even if it's for show. If it's theater, you know. Yeah, we well, Lance, we will see. We know that he was not handcuffed. Uh, cameras were not allowed in the courtroom. No mug shot. You know, mm -hmm. I, I said, hey, this is gonna be a new way of doing things. From now on, don't handcuff nobody, don't do no mug shots. The standard, <laughs> baby. Hey, this is how Donald J. Trump gonna be treated. Everybody need to be treated that way. No more mug shots. And we did, you know, talk about mm -hmm. how mug shots and stuff like that really can hurt people down the line when they're looking for a job and they've either served their time or in cases where people are convicted and 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 you know and found guilty and then it turns out that they weren't guilty their lives are messed up behind that why not just take the person's fingerprints why you got to do the mugshot and all that the perk walk and all but that none of that happened to president Donald J Trump so the, it's a new standard America no more are we going to do that uh, quickly before we go on break so we will continue to follow this story obviously we're not gonna, we're gonna try not to inundate you too much with it, but we are gonna follow the story. But before we take a break, let's go and see what our viewers had to say, Lance. Mickey C, on the night of his indictment, Trump received millions of dollars worth of campaign coverage for free. You write about that, Mickey C, Lance and I were just talking about that. Not only free coverage or earned media, as we call it in my business, 
also millions of dollars raised and counting. On Twitter, Mr. Unknown, Clarence Thomas needs to be impeached and every ruling he's he's made needs to be reviewed, if not nullified. All right, Mr. Unknown, I hear you on that. And Stellar Wingman, hey Stellar Wingman, everybody need a Stellar Wingman or Wing Woman. Is Jill asking loser Donald back for a visit? <laughs> Oh, I like your snarkiness on that one. And on YouTube, Super Chat, Larry Swan, Joe Biden is the find out phase of the F around and double <laughs> Dow Angel Reese and LSU by leaving them off of his bracket. I know that's right, Larry Swan. Joe Biden is the find out phrase of F around and doubt Angel Reese and LSU by leaving them off of his bracket. You got that right, Larry. He did F around and they did find out Angel Reese ain't to be played with, baby. And I love her spirit and more of us need to have it. I love her spirit because she got the same kind of spirit I have. Hey, keep on keeping on, baby. You doing that thing, Angel Reese, and we salute you. All right, wrap your mind around everything that Lance and I just covered. And we'll be back after this. Welcome back to the show. Take a look at this. Human rights and environmental lawyer Stephen Donziger, who's just been released from nearly a thousand days of house arrest as part of a legal ordeal that began after he successfully sued Chevron on behalf of 30,000 Ecuadorian Amazonian indigenous people for dumping 16 billion gallons of oil into their ancestral land. In 2011, Ecuador's Supreme Court ordered Chevron to pay $18 billion in a landmark ruling seen as a major victory for corporate accountability. But Chevron refused to pay or clean up the land. Instead, it launched a legal attack on the ruling targeting Stephen Donziger. I have with me today the one and only Stephen Donziger right here on Unboss. Stephen, it is so wonderful to have you on the show. As we were talking on the break, how much we admire each other. But well, you, you are in that champion category. You're a writer, a public speaker. And as they were laying out in your interview on Democracy Now!, one of the lawyers on that wonderful team that won all of those billions of dollars for folks in the Amazon. And I guess in many ways, there's no way to re truly repay the damage that Chevron has done to the Amazon. But thank God you and the rest of the team stood up for them. We are so glad to have you here on our show today. I wanna start off by asking the question, what motivates Steven Dongzinger? <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I grew up in Northeast Florida and I my grandfather was a lawyer and I always wanted to be a lawyer and I always felt the need to try to, you know, utilize whatever legal talent I could develop on behalf of people who are marginalized and screwed over. You know, there's enough lawyers working for the wealthy and the powerful. I wanted to sort of take my skills and work for those who most needed it. So, you know, I've done a whole series of things over the course of my career, but I'm, I'm you know, the, the case in Ecuador against Chevron became sort of the main thing over the last several years. And it's led to really an incredible journey of, 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 of you know, an example, I think of a successful sort of um, human rights campaign involving vulnerable communities, lawyers, donors, funders, supporters, and campaigners. And we really put together a great team, not just lawyers, but lots of other people, advocates and the like, and we were able to achieve success. Um, so they still haven't paid by the way, so we're still fighting. But the world has never seen um, you know, indigenous peoples in the Amazon 
go to court and win literally billions of dollars to get compensation for the destruction and poisoning of their ancestral lands. And I'll remind people it's still going on and people down there in Ecuador and the Amazon indigenous peoples are hurting, they're suffering, many have died, many will die unless there's a cleanup. And Stephen, how is it that they are able, they being Chevron, able to get away with not having paid yet? I would say the answer is abuse of the legal system and the weakness of the judiciary of judges to hold them accountable to really enforce the law. I mean, Chevron's strategy is not unlike Norfolk Southerns in Ohio, you know, or any number of corporations over the years. Essentially, to wear down the people they have poisoned, they have harmed with litigation. You know, they'd rather pay lawyers and hire big corporate law firms that go into court and file motion after motion, try to delay and ultimately sabotage the process. Their biggest fear is litigation on the merits of the claims. They want anything other than that. So they'll raise all sorts of issues. And it's designed really to tie people up, tire them out, exhaust their resources so they can't keep going. And in our particular case, we were able to overcome most of that. Um, to win the case. I mean, we, the, the stuff we had to go up against would, would blow your mind if I got into the detail. I mean, the sabotage of the trial by Chevron was just extraordinary. I should say attempted sabotage because yeah. we got through it. Victory and it got affirmed on appeal, but they won't pay. And they're basically challenging the indigenous peoples of Ecuador who have very little if no money to chase them around the world to try to file additional lawsuits on top of the original lawsuits to get them to pay the money that they owe. And that's the process we're in. It's totally unfair. It's how the system is structured. And you see this not just in this case, but in many other cases. Yeah, I mean, what you are describing is immorality. Just plain and simple, you know, you got legal and you have immoral, and sometimes legal and moral, you know, they're on opposite sides. And this is definitely immoral. What are some other aspects, Stephen, of the case that you wish more people understood? Because you've really given us a peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as a human rights lawyer in America, people need to understand that they ended up targeting me. Um, to the point where I was imprisoned. I mean, I was detained for almost three years in my home and then 45 days in a federal prison on a criminal contempt of court charge filed by a judge with investments in Chevron who was you know, trying to destroy the Ecuador case by going after me. I'm the only human rights, I'm the only person in American history prosecuted not by the government, but by a private corporation. What ended up happening is the judge took his contempt charges, which I believe were unfounded. But in any event, he took them to the US attorney here in New York who refused to prosecute me. The judge then appointed a private lawyer, private lawyer to prosecute me in the name of the US government. And it turned out the lawyer he appointed worked for a Chevron private law firm. I was prosecuted in the name of the government by Chevron on top of that. When I went into court to face these, these were misdemeanor charges, the most minor kind of federal offense. 
almost never ends up in imprisonment or detention. And when I went into court to face it, they um, locked me up with an ankle bracelet in my home as a supposed risk of flight. And on top of that, they put an $800,000 bail bond on me, which is higher than three out of the four cops who killed George Floyd. And all I did was litigate successfully against Chevron over pollution in Ecuador. It was just crazy. So the the corporate capture, this is what happens, the corporation captured this pocket of the federal judiciary and used it to take control of the prosecutorial apparatus and detain their main critic. And I want to say this, that's a playbook. You know, it didn't just happen to me. They hope and they hope to use that against other activists if they get a little too successful in their, you know, accountability campaign. So I think people need to pay attention to this, and we need to all work together to recognize it when it happens and make sure it never happens again to anyone else. That's absolutely right, Stephen. And I'm just sitting here saying, my God, you know, how could the feds yeah. allow something like this to happen? I mean, every you just follow the dots. This smells. You know, and it is, it is, it is corporate capture. And in many ways, what happened to you, what happens in the halls of Congress, what happens in state legislatures all across this country and other places where politicians are the types that can be bought off by corporate interests. And we truly are becoming for a very long time the corporate states of the corporate states of America instead of the United States of America. And I think what's so compelling and riveting about your story is that we are accustomed to hearing it about in the halls of Congress or in legislatures or governor's mansions. We are not used to hearing this happen in the judiciary. And it is just mind absolutely blown. So you just did a very in-depth interview with Esquire. Your 600 days of house arrest. I want people to read this article of the deep, deep dive. They must, must read this article. And yeah, this tweet right here, we wanted to put that up. Now, are you, does it make you, I mean, are, do you feel jaded at all because of what has happened to you such thus far? I mean, how do you still find the spirit and the energy to, to keep on keeping on? You know, I don't know. I think it comes from my mom, honestly. She always fought. For you know, people who were hurt, hurting. You know, I grew up in a relatively you know privileged upper middle class background in Florida, but my mom taught me to always care about civic society and larger issues, and I just always had this feeling inside that things were wrong. You know, and obviously over the course of my my career. Um, I think they've gotten worse in many respects. You know, the last, particularly the last few years, in terms of the amount of corporate control, the amount of inequality, you know, police repression, racism, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of problems in our society right now that are have always existed, but I think they're more acute now. They're they're playing out in a much more severe way, and I just want to work on those. You know, I get up every morning despite the difficult situation I'm in, and by the way, they also disbarred me without a hearing. I mean, there's so many things that have happened to me. But I get up with a spring in my step because I like doing my best to tackle these problems and sort of bring attention to this because I think I'm in a um, an unusual position. I have an unusual perspective given my lived experience of having to be put in prison as a human rights lawyer in the United States of America. And you know, and Nina, what's interesting? I mean, I could ask you the same question. I'm sure you have your stories based on your history. You know, we're all together in this, and you know, they keep trying to divide. Those of us who do the work, you know, and I'm really dedicated to making people connect with each other, 
connect the dots between the climate movement and the police reform movement and you know the labor movement. I mean, I've become very good friends with Chris Smalls and the Amazon Labor Union. We we. Yeah. we we're going to be doing some speaking together. And I think it's really important for people to see that these different aspects of a justice movement can work together to achieve the kind of society that we want and have been you know, long denied for way too long by corporate control over our society. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And yeah, Chris Christian Smalls is one of the best and I'm glad to see you two coming together. I'm just I'm signed here. I'm gonna have to have you back for a part two. One of the things when you say they disbarred you, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, who the hell are they? How how can <laughs> they disbar you? And all of that's linked back to the power that Chevron yeah. has. But it makes absolutely no sense the things that you're saying. I'm sure that most people will not believe that this could happen yeah. here in America, but it happened. It happened to you. And what you and your family had to endure. I remember seeing photos of you and your son. Yeah. Uh, just gut wrenching, you know. It, it really brought tears uh, to my eyes. You know, people don't always have to die physical deaths, Stephen, to have things taken from them. And I mean, what you and your family have endured, and what you continue to endure, but you're still standing, you're still fighting. I mean, it is nothing short of inspiring. I don't know how you Thank do it. Thank you. You're so kind. And, and you know, I've been inspired by you for many years, Nina, um, watching your great leadership on so many issues. You know, I, you know, again, I, I just, uh, it's hard to explain, but I will say this, the solidarity is critical. Yes. You know, when I was in detention, um, you know, at the beginning, I felt very isolated. And my first lawyer said, hey, you know, you really shouldn't tweet. You shouldn't really do anything. The judge will just get more mad at you. And so I tried that for like two months and like, you know, the judge is like, you know, I'm not letting you out. So I'm like, I'm gonna just bring this to the world as much as I could. And literally I started to accept any invitation anyone asked me to speak, even if it was a kindergarten class, no kidding. Yes. I spoke at law schools, universities, high schools. And little by little, I fought my way back. Well, like you started to retweet me, Susan Sarandon, you know, and yes. others who started to realize how crazy this was. Yeah. So an odd way, you know, Chevron and Judge Kaplan's overreach to try to really politicize the judiciary to destroy me ended up backfiring. And I'm now as strong as ever. I'm more determined than ever. I'm as encouraged as ever. And I just want to thank everyone, you and Marianne Williamson, so many people, Katie Halper, yes. so many stepped up to draw attention to this. And it gave me and my wife, Laura, and my son, Matthew, so much encouragement to the point where we actually, I think, grew better and stronger as a result of the pain they tried to inflict on us. So thanks to everyone who, who stepped wow. up. And by the way, people want to help and read that article, the Esquire article you posted. Um, it's it's a pinned tweet on my Twitter, which is at S Donziger, and I post a lot about what we're doing. We're still fighting. Yes. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be moving with a lot of new initiatives, and we like to have people as involved as they can. You can sign up on our website at freedonziger.com, and you know we're we're building our campaign as 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 much as we can. Yeah, freedongzinger.com. Please join in. That's what I was going to ask you, Stephen. What else can people do to help? And you shouted out some of the greats, love Susan, Marianne, Katie, and so many others. We are in your corner 
you and your family sacrificed the most. And for us to be able to just back your play was an absolute honor. We're gonna have you back on Unboss, God bless you. Give my best to your wife and to your son. And that is our time today on Unboss. Thank you so much, it was so riveting to end with Steven Dongzinger and have Lance on in the co-host seat today. And to each and every one of you, you know how I feel about you. You also know what I want you to do about this time. I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely want you to keep the faith. If Steven can do it, we all can do it. But you know what else I want you to marry with that faith? A whole bunch of fight, because we need fighters for what is just, for what is right, and for what is good. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.